Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. So a lot went on in the Toronto game. Um, I told you about some of what stood out to me. Tracy, what stood out to you from the the most recent win to take the streak to four over the Raptors? Well, there's three things. The first one, I would say, uh, we've talked a lot about Julius Randle, but Again, um, I think it feels a lot more sustainable on both ends of the floor. On offense, he's obviously, most of his points are coming from the rim or from three-point range. And he's not, I mean, yesterday he shot terrific from three-point range. You know, to see him go out on a heater like that at the beginning was great. But, you know, he didn't fall in love with it. He leveraged those threes to get some good looks, uh, you know, some good opportunities inside the arc. Um, And... What was also very, very intriguing, you know, he, he made some great passes. Um, you know, he, he flashes those Jokic-level passes. He's not holding the ball, and when he does, he's really reading and manipulating the defense in a way he wasn't in 2020-21. Um, and on defense, I think he's been pretty, like, when you put Mitchell Robinson next to, like, Randall's doing his job. You know, there's, like, one or two times a game where, like, he'll see a guy in the corner I think yesterday there might have been one time when it was like Siakam or someone in the corner and he just didn't close out. But that is that is the exception much more than the rule now. Uh, and a rare exception. And um, he's helped. He's been a, the, the Knicks defense has improved a lot. Grimes and Quickly have gotten a lot of credit. But Randall deserves a lot of credit too. And, um, and I think they all feed off each other. And, and I think that makes life easier for Mitchell Robinson. And I think Mitchell Robinson probably won't be an all-NBA defender because of just how much talent there is at that position on defense in the NBA, but he's playing at that level. And I think Randall has helped there a lot. The second thing I wanted to bring up was, um, you know, you mentioned that, um, you mentioned that um, Jalen Brunson, or sorry, you mentioned that the Raptors are not a a great matchup for the Knicks. Um, And I think a lot of that historically has been bad guard play um, where, Mm -hmm. you know, have, um, you know, the, the, the Raptors can throw these huge wings at our guards. They can keep them from the rim. The guards aren't dynamic threats. from. They can't do all of one thing. Right? If it's a guy like Quickly, you know, he hasn't in the past. He didn't punish the Raptors the same way by getting to the rim. Yesterday you saw he was much more effective. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, but, it, but the bigger difference there is, is really Brunson, where Brunson on both sides is, is changes that equation where the Raptors aren't such a bad matchup for us. And in the last game, the Knicks lost, but I thought that for most of the game, they outplayed the Raptors and the issues that the Raptors have given us in the past weren't as prevalent. Now, look, Brunson had five turnovers, so they're there. Like, you, like that kind of length and athleticism is always going to be an issue, and Brunson struggled a little bit. Um, but I don't think he turned the ball over in the second half. And he was just able to stay calm and cool, whether it was a trap, whether it was, you know, guys jumping a passing lane. As he adjusted, he was just in control of the game, and he can get to whatever spots he wants. He can get that mid-range pull-up no matter what. So late in games, that is a huge game-changer for the Knicks. And on the other end, that's worth mentioning, too. That, that might have been Brunson's best defensive game of the season. And in that sense, the Raptors are actually a good matchup for the Knicks because Brunson, you know, Brunson isn't the guy you want to guard John Moran to Trey Young. Kyrie Irving, because you know the quicker guards like Brunson is not as laterally agile on offense uh, on defense. Mm-hmm. Offense, he really relies more on change of speeds and craftiness and his handling more than just the sheer athleticism. Uh, so on defense, you know, obviously you don't have those options. 
But what he is is also strong as a bull. Um, and the Raptors repeatedly try to post him up with Scotty Barnes, and Scotty Barnes finished with two points. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it just it didn't work. Um, and that wasn't like Kemba Walker, not to pick on Kemba Walker, but one team that did pick on Kemba Walker was the Raptors um, because he is both small and skinny. Yeah, whereas Brunson at least can, has the strength to combat, and he's a, he's a very intelligent team defender. Um, the third thing I wanted to mention. So the third thing I wanted to mention, I, I realized I forgot a couple of things. The other things I'll mention is on the Randall note, it was also encouraging that when quickly kind of had it going at the end of the third, you know, quickly a sequence that really, if we were Raptors fans, this is what we've been like, same old Raptors, or this is what seems to happen to the Knicks every time. The Raptors had a Fred VanVleet free throw, eighty nine percent free throw shooter. Uh, the first time I can ever recall someone on another team missing a free throw, by the way, <laughs> he misses. Um, quickly brings the ball down court with about five seconds left and forces a foul. The Knicks are leading by three at the end of the fourth. Psychologically, that's a bit of a win. I, I don't know how much that matters. I do know that, like, for example, that Christmas Day game against the Sixers, um, you know, they, um, the, the Knicks, um, the Knicks, I thought, played outplayed the Sixers for three quarters. But like you know, the Sixers were the better team, and they they kept they did just enough to stay close. And then at the end of the third quarter, it was tied. And to me, psychologically, I was just like, after all that, we're tied. And then yeah, then the Sixers started throwing the haymakers, and it's just like at that point, you don't even have that that edge, right? Mm-hmm. But I, I think what's important is like immediately coming out into the fourth, Randall was on the floor and quickly ran three straight pick and rolls, which all which resulted in six points. Right, the first one he hit a floater, second one he drew a foul. Third one, he fed Hartenstein for what should have been a dunk. Hartenstein gets the uh, misses, but Mitch is there for the rebound. Mitchell Robinson makes two free throws. That was pretty mm-hmm, nice to see. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, what was nice was Randall stayed engaged, and he wasn't clogging up the lane. He wasn't demanding the ball from quickly. Uh, you know, he played. He was happy to let quickly run the show. Um, part of that might have been like fatigue, but I think that, and I, I'm not saying that. You know, maybe a lot of people say, "Well, that's basic stuff." But what I'm saying is, I think. Randall, my criticism of Randall was not necessarily that he was selfish or that he, um, you know, like he, he had to dominate the ball because of some, you know, psychological thing. Uh, I always thought those criticisms were a little unfair because I, I don't know the guy. I don't know what his mentality is. I don't know. I, it's, it's, but some people are just, they play a certain way. If you've played a certain way for many years, like I've played basketball with people who are the nicest people, the most selfless people on the court. That's just that's how they view the game. Is that that's how they've they've played, and you you can't really get someone out of their game very easily. So I always thought those were my bigger like my the, my criticism was not like he's a bad teammate, he's selfish or whatever. It was more I think you know just stylistically it wasn't a great fit uh, for what the Knicks ideally are or, you know for winning basketball, and he's changed that one and two. I think I think even at that time it showed that like. All, all of his, none of his teammates have ever had anything bad to say about Randall. Like That's you can see true. him on the sideline. Yep. They, they all get along well with him. I don't think there's any issues there. Um, so I wanted to throw that out there. And then, so points through, and then one other aside, uh, I think it's worth shouting out Evan Fournier. Um, Absolutely. You know, he's probably, he's not a part of the Knicks long-term plans. It was a good move to limit his minutes and start Grimes, but he, he's been a professional. Um, when when he hasn't played, he's been cheering on the bench, um, yep. and you know of late he's had to play more. And he made some clutch plays on defense yesterday. Um, yeah, he, he had a couple of huge defense. rebounds. Mm-hmm. Um, he had a couple of huge rebounds. Where by the way, Hartenstein was out of position. 
not to shift the blame to someone else, but to say that like yeah. without Fournier, we probably gave up a couple of buckets that could have changed the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, hit a couple of big shots. Um, and, um, you know, it's it, for, for Fournier, it's usually rarely that was a stupid thing he did, right? It's usually physically being outmatched or something like that. Yeah. Uh, but just staying ready, having a good attitude, being a positive presence, and being able to call, do what your job is when your number is called, um, you know, that's, that's great to have that. And the third thing is to, to end on a negative note. <laughs> Uh, the Knicks do have an issue at the end of games. I think an under-talked-about or understated part of that is the fact that they're going with a short rotation. And I do think I think fatigue, mental and physical, like as much as some of these things seem like simple things, hit free throws, um, you know, don't foul. Like those kind of things are supposed to be very simple. The reality is it's happened so much over the last few games. It seems like, yeah, I, I, I think that they should be better off when RJ and Obi get back. Um, because even like you can still criticize and say, well, Tibbs's offense is too stagnant late. And I think there's some truth to that. Like, I don't think they need to run the clock down to two seconds every time to take a shot, but it gets mitigated for the fact, by the fact that Brunson can really make a lot of bad shots. Right. So you don't need that. Mm -hmm. I think fatigue is a big issue. And I think that when the rotation lengthens, I think we'll see fewer of these things in, in late games. But as of now, it is a thing, right. And they nearly blew a game. They were up, you know, they were up 105-89 with less than three minutes left. There's no reason that game should be coming down to like late free throws and like you know mm-hmm. nervous moments, right? But it did. So those are my kind of main takeaways. Uh, first, I want to assure the listeners that that is hopefully the last Hartenstein reference that you will hear in this podcast. I just don't have the heart to talk about that dude right now. <laughs> He's like the one. I don't want to pick on Hartenstein. Hard to talk about that dude? Was that a partner? <laughs> every every game, man. That guy, he's killing me. He's killing me in these games. He makes you um, want to get on the laptop and play The Sims. A little bit, a little bit. Well done. Well oh, done. you missed that one. Too. Yeah, yeah. You see, you I, mean, see. I got that one. I hated The Sims, but I like Jericho. Um, and Hartenstein, Hartenstein hurts because he seems like the type of player that, like on paper, I would love him. Like he's a backup big. He can pass. Um, he has more shooting ability than the other two centers however whatever you, you think that shooting ability is um and i i don't i don't think he's someone who's, who fails because of a lack of effort or a lack of care um i don't understand him even when the numbers said that he was rebounding pretty well when i watch the games like i don't see it at all um and he's the one he's the one player this year that is consistently bothering me more than he is thrilling me um a couple other things that you mentioned that I want to touch on, um, as far as Randall and defense, like I'm I'm pretty sure already for me that the play of the the first half season is the Randall chase down block against the Spurs. I think it was Josh Richardson. Yeah. Um, I was I was sick and sitting back in my chair and have never been as certain of anything that that was going to be two points going <coughs> the other way for the Spurs. That was that was a Randall turnover too, right? Yes, it was. It was. So he I made, he made the turnover. Eyes, but that, that's yeah. That shows his mental growth, right? Instead of hanging his head, he didn't complain to the ref. He didn't blame somebody else. Like, why that's did you come over and bring him? Yep, that's exactly. I was yep. like, who's he going to blame for that one? And then he starts running, and then part of me felt bad because I'm like, you know what? He's not going to get this, which is then going to make him figure, why should I bother next time? But then he got it, so I was very, very excited for that. Um, you look like the Ron on Iguodala, man. I'll go there. <laughs> I'll go to that block. That's what he reminded me. 
You also just reminded me in some of what you were saying. I don't know if you had this with yourself when you would play sports. I've always been struck playing sports by how much a person's personality in real life can is often the opposite or has nothing to do with, with it. So I had a friend growing up um, that we played basketball and baseball together. And in real life, like this kid had like legit anger management issues, like was literally sent to anger management by the courts. <coughs> but when we played sports, this kid never said a word, was just the most quiet. Call. And I was someone that in real life was like pretty quiet, introverted, but like when we played baseball, like more than once the opposing team would have to complain to the umpire. Like I would play first base or catcher, and I could not shut up, like trying to get them out of their heads, talking, 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 like could never shut up. Um, I'm struck watching the game sometimes. Like we have all these evaluations of who these players are, and and I, I hate the body language thing because <coughs> like you're saying, we don't know them. We don't know anything going on in their life. Um, nobody at work is necessarily who they are like in their real life. But it, it has struck me that as much as the fans have had complaints about Randall, um, particularly last year and a couple of years before that, <coughs> I don't recall anything ever leaking from the, certainly nothing public. And I don't even remember even like the insinuation that someone had a problem with him, um, which I think is to his credit. And I think his teammates know like, you can you can make mistakes, and that's different than necessarily being like you're clearly a selfish person. And I I, I have always liked that. Yeah, no, no one on this team has ever seemed to rile up the other players to the point that you ever heard like a gripe about it. And that's also why, like you know, there are times where he missed RJ a lot, and some of the people I really respect and who might be right about this. Who knows? Maybe there were things that got cleared up. I don't want to go definitive one way or the other but i was like it could be that he just missed them because it doesn't seem like rj dislikes him it doesn't seem like quickly dislikes him right he demands the ball sometimes um you know like he got there was a shouting or not a shouting match but like him and fournier once were like animated and arguing yes. once. and if it's not the knicks and if it's not you know a very scrutinized star who just got a big contract maybe that's not even news you know i'm sure lebron argues with people uh, I'm sure, like a lot of these dudes do. Um, the Lakers used so, to have a guard, a pretty famous guard, who was not at all ashamed to like destroy his teammates on the floor. In the in the, I mean, I Swish Parker could have Kobe? Kobe Bryant for like emotional <laughs> yeah. distress, like and there's and, a guy who wrote an article about that, like one of Smush's friends, or like not like an acquaintance of Smush's, but like where basically like, some of it was pretty unfair, but. Yeah. Yeah. He did the same thing to Jeremy Lin when Lin was a Laker. Um, you know, and, and I get it. Like when you reach a certain level of success, particularly in American sports, like we, we write that off. Like, oh, he just wants to win. It's just guys being guys. But I, I've always liked the fact that, that, you know, whatever Randall, Randall's flaws are like blatant. Um, even now in the middle of his, this great run that he's having, Randall will still have every game a turnover of some kind that like makes you want to jump, but you know, that's going to happen with almost anybody who you build around. And look, if, if, if the overall, if the overall takeaway from that is he's putting up 24, 10 and four with, by the way, his turnovers are, are down to 2.6 per game, which I will more than take. 
mm-hmm. um, at at he's this is his highest true shooting since he was in New Orleans, and and like he's being yeah. featured more here, which I think is that was always the goal, right? Like, can we get New Orleans Randall but scaled up, you know? Mm-hmm. And you've got that, um, you know, and it's um it's working out well there. So um you know and and yeah, like he's a he seems like a, a likable dude, you know. Like it's just you know he had the thumbs down thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that like, sorry, I was actually reading this article about, um, alcoholism and, you know, how people, you know, a lot of ex- experts don't recommend going cold Turkey, uh, but kind of tearing down. Right. And I was thinking like, that's kind of been a little bit, some of Randall's worst tendencies this year have been, they still crop up. There's still games where we won't close out. <laughs> There's still games where the shot selection, but it's it's the frequency is much lower. He, he had that Kings game. I don't, I don't know if you remember, um, but I was thinking like, you know, his mental game really has improved. And I was like, oh yeah, there was the Kings game where, you know, he argued a, a legitimately he had a legitimate complaint. Um, they gave him a tech, and he kept. He went to another ref and kept talking and got tossed out. It's like, you know, if you want to get the tech and you know make sure that they watch out for you going forward, you made your point. But to keep going, that's just hurting your team, right? Because now you can't play. But that, other than that, he's had two technical fouls. He's had four technical fouls for the entire season. And we're halfway through. Last year at 12. So um, you can see that, like, these things are – and the turnovers are, are still there, and they're still at times ugly, but they're decreasing. The bad shots, decreasing in frequency. Um, the lapses on defense, decreasing in frequency. And, and he's evolving into this player that – um, I mean, if you look at the team building perspective, he's less of a fit issue than I, than I think he was before. I think ideally you'd want someone like Jaron Jackson next to him. You'd want a stretch player, but he's working really well with Mitchell Robinson. Another thing we didn't mention before, kind of that whole leadership note. Uh, there's an article, I don't know if it's SNY or who it was, but um, but it's it's not Zach Levine. That's, that's I guess, that's It's not Zach Levine. And, and part of what I think is important, um, particularly given Nick history is that, and this is not a Dolan thing. This, this, this goes back to the seventies. Like this is not a Dolan thing at all, but, um, and I don't think the Knicks are the only team who do this, but they seem to be the best at it. Putting together two big names often is diminishing returns if the skills don't blend. So one reason why Brunson, I think is so excellent on the Knicks this season. is not just that in and of himself, he's a great player, but the things that Brunson changes for Randall make Randall's job easier. The fact that Brunson is the primary ball handler, the fact that Brunson, um, particularly in late game situations, is someone that you can trust. I mean, Randall's assists are down, but so are his turnovers, like you said earlier. And a lot of that is because there is someone, there's a better option to have the ball in those situations. And it allows Brunson's strengths, allow Randall's weaknesses to recede. A lot of times when the Knicks bring in somebody with, with like, you bring in Carmelo, that doesn't help Amari Stoudemire's weaknesses in any way. You just end up losing something from him. When you bring in, you know, Glenn Rice and you already have Allen Houston and Latrell Sprewell, you're not, you're not complimenting them. You're trying to cram a lot of stuff together that doesn't work. So Levine, to me, would be another classic. If you, if you added Levine, even if it was a, a sweetheart deal, if, if Chicago just asked for, like, Obi, McBride, and, like, a couple of picks, and somehow the Knicks could do it and didn't disrupt anybody from their main rotation, it still doesn't work. Because once you drop Levine into that rotation, you're going to be diminishing Randall. You're going to be diminishing Barrett. 
basically your and you're spending your basically your entire cap on those four players. Yes. So yeah, to put all that together and actually I think lower your ceiling while raising your salary cap, like that makes no sense to me. I agree with you that I think um there's a jumbo wing out there somewhere for the Knicks. I think I felt deep down one change. I've always thought that Randall and Barrett don't ultimately work together. Um, I think Barrett has found his place and it has been making it work. But I think ultimately for the team to make the next step, one of them has to go. And now my suspicion, now I feel more than ever like maybe that's RJ. Because if I could replace, if I could bring in um, Anunnabi, for example, I would I would replace Barrett with him, and I would have now um, maybe Mitch, Randall, Anunnabi, Brunson, and then maybe I and Grimes, and I would rather I would rather it's not about that I think Grimes is a better player than Barrett. I think he's a better fit with all that would go on there. So I, I, I think the big wing thing works to me, particularly if they're going to move off of Barrett. If you're going to plug in Ananabi and you're going to keep RJ, assuming all these people still want to start, I don't know that Brunson, RJ, OG, Randall, and Mitch, like I don't find that that much more exciting as a starting group than what I have now. But you put Ananabi there among some guys who can shoot. Okay. The big four or five thing I find really, really intriguing and really, really exciting. Um, I don't know. I have no idea who's out there who fills that role. Um, I have to take a look at the the free agent listing for the summer, but I, I think it's the same. Positionally, I, I feel the same way you do. Those are the two places that the team would go. I think Randall at this point has probably cemented, like he has he has a right to his spot. And... You're gonna to have to find people to work in around him, and I, I, I don't know. Do you, when you think about that kind of a player, do you see that kind of player, particularly as a free agent? Does that fit if RJ is still here? Yeah, I think it can. It depends on like if you get a guy like Dario Saric and you give him minutes at the four or the and the five, that could work, right? Um, hmm. It it does. De- I think it depends more on Tibbs. Is like like if we got Jared Vanderbilt, would he play him at the five? Most coach, a lot of coaches hmm. would. Would he play him mm-hmm. next to Randall? That depends. I like you. If you want to tell me he's never going to do that with Obi, I I think that it's a little premature. But I get it. But there are good long defenders there who can play both those positions. Are you still not going to do it with them? Then it becomes more of a tibish issue. Do I think Randall and Barrett can't coexist? Not necessarily. <coughs> um, I think the way that I, I, Randall, I, I think if they're both engaged on defense, it's a lot less of a concern because. Both are at least willing three-point shooters, and no one no one wants to leave either of them open from three. Um, yeah, and yeah. RJ doesn't really post up. RJ is more of a slashing guy, and so when he's if if and Randall is also like once he passes the ball, he no longer just sits in the post; he cuts out. Mm-hmm. So um, I think that they they have to work a little bit harder and keep moving, but I don't think they're necessarily a terrible fit. Do I think they accentuate each other a lot? Not as much as you'd like, but I also think that chemistry has improved. And again, like in terms of we were talking about our, you know, Randall's attitude or whatever before, um, they, um, you know, I think that he's also been looking for RJ more consciously, and and I think that um, that's looked a little bit better. It's just I think early in the season, RJ's defense was really bad, 
and that's what uh, what caused the issues. So, yeah. So two last things I want to get into with you. One is uh, the All Star balloting. The early results are in, and there's been a lot of talk that both Randall and Brunson, I think, are in that broad category of players whose performance warrants all-star consideration, whether they make it or not, um, is another question. There's only, I think it's 15 guys on each team. So only 30 guys are going to make it in the whole league. So very good people are not going to make it. Um, But the first round of of votes came out in the East. Um, Kevin Durant is the top vote getter overall. We'll do front court first. So you're, you're the three players right now who are leading the voting in the front court are to no one's surprise, Kevin Durant, Giannis, and Joel Embiid. Um, so those would be the three starters if the voting holds at those numbers. The only other player who has an outside shot at breaking into that trio <coughs> is, uh, as you mentioned, Jalen Brown's teammate, Jason Tatum. He's a, he's about uh, 50,000 votes behind Embiid. After that, it drops way, 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 way down. So if we say, as a given, Durant's going to make it, Giannis is going to make it, Embiid is going to make it, so are, so is Tatum. Here are the forwards. Here are the, let's say front court. They do it now front court and back court. These are the front court players in the <coughs> East who I think will definitely make it ahead of Randall. And then there's a couple that I'm not sure. KD's going to make it. He's playing at as great a level as he ever has. Giannis is going to make it, Embiid's going to make it, Tatum's going to make it. The three who are, okay, we'll see. Jalen Brown <coughs> probably will make it because the Celtics have been that good. They're going to get two players. He would be the one. Jimmy Butler, his team is not playing well at all, um, but it's not his fault. He's shooting efficiently. He's putting up good numbers. And then lastly, Pascal Siakam <coughs> of the Raptors. I could see an argument for Randall ahead of Siakam, certainly, because I think the Knicks are so much ahead of the Raptors um, that that matters. For that same reason, I could put Randall ahead of Jimmy Butler, because, again, you know, <clears throat> we know Butler's great, and we know the Heat probably at the end will turn things around. But for now, other than KD, Giannis, Embiid, Tatum, and Brown, is there another front court man in the East that I'm not thinking of? who clearly deserves to make it ahead of Julius Randle, because I don't see it. I look at the Cavs. I don't think Jared Allen um, is, is clearly, you know, more deserving of being there than Julius Randle. Um, I don't I don't really see it anywhere else, do you? So you mentioned uh, Tatum. Uh, did you mention Jalen Brown? Or are you counting him? Jalen Brown is, is the one – is is the top of the, like, he's not one of the four top vote getters, but I think he's good. Like, I think, I think he's a definite, he's going to get a spot after yeah, him. So I think it's I old. would, um, Siakam's numbers are better. Uh, he's putting up 26. He's averaging fewer mm-hmm. rebounds than Randall, more assists. Um, even with Randall's improved defense, you'd probably take Siakam's defense. Although it's worth noting, it has not been as good this year. Uh, mm-hmm. I do think Randall's been more efficient than him, but not by a huge margin. Um, I could see Siakam getting in. Um, I think Jalen Brown, just because he is... I mean, I, I know Celtics fans who would take him over Tatum. He deserves um, So he's, he's, he's at least 1B on the, the best team in the, in the country. 
Um, so that gets you to what six players, and that's kind of it, or is it nine? Uh, Katie, Giannis, and B, Tatum, Jalen, and who else was? Yeah, there's not, how how many it? forwards get picked? It's different now. It's all front court, so it's not forwards. It'll depend on how many centers. I would think in the East, your centers are going to be Embiid. I could see Jared Allen all making considered it. Considered forwards. When you say front court, they're all just considered forwards, right? Front court is all bigs and forwards. Yeah, so and that's nine players, I believe, right? Uh, Katie, Giannis, Embiid, Tatum, Jalen Brown. No, no, I mean, there's Siakam. nine spots for forward or for front oh. court. I I guess yeah, I would think so. I think there's six guards. Yeah, I think they, they do it like eight. Eight four eight three eight. I think it's yeah nine. There's a couple wild cards. I don't remember the the breakdown actually. Nine sounds yes. right. Yeah, so I would. I think Siakam. Well, Siakam might not get in over Randall if it's the coaches' vote. They might want to reward team performance. I have no problem with Siakam getting in over Randall. But I will say, after watching last night, the guy, his thing of just like throwing his arms up and flailing and yelling is annoying. It drives you nuts. It drives he's you a good nuts. Player. Um, and he's yeah. producing at a high level. So it's him, Brown. Who was the third guy? Jimmy Butler. Yeah, I'm taking, I mean, let's see Butler's numbers, but both because of the he's heat success. very well, you know. Yeah, but he's averaging fewer points, rebounds than Randall, more assists, but 5.7 assists, um, shooting worse from three, Yep. less efficient. Oh, is- he, he is actually more efficient. Wow. He's Jimmy Butler at a sixty-three for shooting. Um, <laughs> I I would personally take Randall over defensively. Um, a thirty-three. I mean, that's impressive. That I mean, who could hate Jimmy Butler? That is just. Um, yep. I know. I know that our coach likes him, but after that, um, even if you were to give those three, that's seven guards. There's there's seven forwards. There's two, two, still two spots open. Um. Mm-hmm. And am I taking Jared Allen over Mitch or over or Randall? No, I'm not taking Jared Allen over Mitch, by the way, either. Um, I would take drums. <laughs> I love that the Allen Mitch rivalry still uh, lives on all these years later. Yeah, I mean, I'm like, it was particularly no, like, no, you know who it was? You know that woman, Kristen F., the Nets fan, whatever on Twitter? Unfortunately, yes, I do. I hope you don't actually know her in person. Uh, I, I do I feel- know her. But I think I, bl- I blocked her, I don't know her at all. I think they're. I, I don't think she's completely all right. So I try to be a little bit understanding. But hers and others, like when when Allen was a net, that was a big thing. Jared Allen actually seems like one of the nicest dudes in the NBA, um, as as well as being a really good player. I can appreciate him in Cleveland. That said, Mitchell Robinson's a better defender, better offensive rebounder. Uh, Allen has a more versatile offensive game. But overall, yes. like Mitch rebounding this well on offense, like adds its own offensive dimension. So I don't think it's a question of Allen versus Randall. I think it's a question of Allen versus Mitch. Uh, I'm not taking Jared Allen over him. I'm not taking – I think Nick Claxton was in that top ten list. Not taking Nick Claxton over Randall. I don't think the coaches would either. Uh, Claxton is no having a hell of a defensive season. But just mm-hmm. he, he, on offense, Mitch is on a, another stratosphere. Um, I mean, Middleton Mitch has to Mitch, I think Randall, of course. Um, okay. No, 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 no. Um, when you said different, when you said so and so was on a different stratosphere than Claxton, did you mean Mitch or Randall? Oh, no, uh, Randall. Uh, Mitch is. Okay, you said Claxton. Mitch. I was like, is Mitch on a different stratosphere than anybody? <laughs> well, no, I, but I will say the offensive rebounding is elite, and it's not just the rebounds. People are like, well, it's only four or five possessions a game, 
But how many times does that make someone hesitate on a contest, right? How many exactly. times does that make it an easier decision for the guard? Um, you know, how many times does that prevent a rotation? So um, I, I do think that is often like he's legitimately a good offensive player, even if it's you know he's not the most versatile guy. Um, yeah, I mean, who like Robert Williams? Am I taking him over Randall? Probably not. Nope. Hasn't played he's hurt enough. a lot too. He's yeah. been he's been hurt a lot this year. So when healthy, that is a really good player. But I'm not taking him. He's going through the. I mean, I'll even go through the, the Eastern Conference standings. Um, Celtics, you know, you have two forwards there. Um, Nets, yeah, you have a forward there. Bucks, you have a forward there. Middleton hasn't played. Otherwise, I might. You might have an argument, but he hasn't. Uh, I don't think I would take Mobley or Allen from the Cavs over no, Randall or not. Uh, Embiid, so what are we at, five? Yeah. yeah. So that's five. Um, the Pacers, I'm not taking Miles Turner over Mitch. Um, Jimmy, if he comes in as a forward instead of a guard, uh, that's debatable. But if you want to give that to him, so it's six? Yeah, it's six. Be six. Um, DeRozan's not getting in as a forward over Randall. Um, no one on the Hawks is getting in as a forward over Randall. I don't think pers- oh, Kuzma was on that list. <laughs> like Kuzma's been playing really well, but he's not getting an over. Yeah, but no. no. Yeah, um, OG Ananobi probably isn't. Uh, Sia- Siakam's the only one on the Raptors, and then okay, okay so Siakam probably is a no. Uh, Siakam is probably a so that's seven. I think there's seven guys you can make a case for, but the rest of the guys who were on that list was was Kuzma. Uh, I don't think Persingas will get in, although he's like he deserves to be in the conversation. He won't get in over Randall. Mm-hmm. Kuzma won't. If they want another uh, center, he deserves consideration. Paolo Banquero is going to be an All NBA player multiple times in his career, maybe an MVP. He is not better than Julius Randall yet. He got more votes no, than Randall. Like, like he's bad. he's really good for for for, uh, for freshman for yeah, rookie. Um, just not at that level. Hornets uh, Hayward has been isn't at that level yet, and the Pistons are the Pistons. So. Yeah, there's seven. There's seven people in the front court you could make a case for, like whether it's advanced stats or whatever. Um, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't put anyone else over him. And a lot of the players I said were worse. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, The last thing I will say is <clears throat> the only way he wouldn't get one of those two spots if they're like, well, Embiid is the only true center, so we need to add one other true center, and they. I don't think Allen should get it over Mitchell Robinson. He might. Um, but that's the only way. But even that is the one spot. So, yeah. Yeah. So equally fun, if you look at the guards um, for Brunson, um, I Brunson could get in. Depends how you want to read a few things. So I have – so right now, the top two vote-getters in the East by far – are Kyrie Irving and Donovan Mitchell. No one is within like half a million really of those guys. So they're probably Kinda. good to go. They're probably going to be starters. Um, but after that, so after Kyrie and Mitchell, uh, there's James Harden, who's putting up like 25 and 10 or 11. Um, Tyrese Halliburton is having a really great year. Then there's this trio of guys who I don't know that they deserve it, but they might, and the, the, here are the guys. So, Trey Young, I don't think, is playing really that well. But Trey Young, he's still Trey Young. He's still putting up the numbers that he's putting up. Um, like, I wouldn't be stunned 
if the coaches went with him ahead of Brunson. Whether it's fair or not, I wouldn't be stunned. Um, Drew Holiday is is putting up like pretty solid numbers, and he's a great defensive player, and he's on a much better team. Like I assume the league, I assume the Eastern coaches would rather give Milwaukee two players than the Knicks. The other one, um, he's missed some time. Also, his numbers are better than I thought they were. He plays on a terrible team, but All Star is All Star. Lamelo Ball um, is the one other player How that many games has even played. Lamelo, how many games? Yeah, he has played. He's like the last one I looked up. Lamelo this year. Right now has played. Come on, computer. Here we go. The middle of this year has played. Oh God, he's played sixteen games. So, yeah, you I, would, I, I don't see it. enough that's to a, say no. Yeah, <clears throat> he's put up twenty-four and eight in those games. Um, he's shooting an incredible per game. He's taking eleven and a half threes and he's making thirty-eight percent of them. But like you're saying, like you would think that doesn't matter. You would think he has played a, not even half the season. But like, doesn't would I be defense. shocked? In any... It doesn't play defense doesn't, on a good but team. Again, I don't think like... he's necessarily the kind of guy that other coaches want to go to bat for. But me personally, I love Lamelo Ball's true. game. That's true. So if we scratch Lamelo, um, Trey, you know, <laughs> we're probably not biased when it comes to Trey. Trey this year is scoring 27 and a half a game, 10 assists. He is shooting 42 from the field, 31 from three-point range. Um, yeah, I know a know, player that did that last year, and everyone hated him. His name was Julius Randle, so why should I? Yeah, uh, he, I mean, he's down. Everything is down with him. His, his but assist he makes up for it on defense, right? That was very cruel to do to someone who's sick, but also very funny. Um, yeah, so I would say Drew Holiday is a given ahead of Brunson because I think the you Bucks think so? easily deserve two players. I think they deserve two players way ahead of the Knicks. But even if we take Kyrie, Donovan, Harden, Halliburton, and Drew, that's five guards. I don't know if I'm missing anyone obvious. I don't think Bradley Beal has had like an All Star season, and he's missed some time too. Um, Van Vliet hasn't. Been I could see Brunson. You know, I could. I mean, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that Jalen Brunson could be an All Star. Well, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that the Knicks could have two All Stars. As weird as that there's, sounds, there's the Bulls guards, right? So I don't think Levine should get in over Brunson. Didn't Levine miss a lot of time too? Uh, not as much as like I think he played like. He's played like 30 games, I think. Uh, let's see. Yeah, he's played 35 games. So uh, okay, averaging okay. 23 and 4. Um, and yeah. no defense. Still putting up. I mean, yeah, this is it down here. Well. Yeah. yeah, so he's still pretty efficient, but the team isn't winning. Uh, DeRozan, I know, took a step back from last year. Um, he is at... Um, now he's still averaging twenty six points per game. Um, oh, so I mean, it okay. depends on how much of those volume stats gonna matter. <clears throat> That's the thing. It would feel a little bit disingenuous if they vote Holiday ahead of Brunson because even though Brunson has better numbers, they say, "Well, Br- Holiday's on a better team," right? Um, which I would argue that, well, yeah, if you get to play in the 
with the best player in the world, then yeah, you will be on a better team. Um, but then if you take the other logic and say, well, DeRozan and Levine are a shitty team, but they have better numbers than Brunson, like, well, what are we doing here, right? Um, mm-hmm. So, um, I I think I'm I think it's I think Randall is a definite. Um, it's a little bit more murky with Brunson. Uh, you one thing we didn't mention is it's unclear whether Butler will. I mean, do you know if is he is he on the ballot as a forward only or? Let me see if he's listed. Butler is on the ballot as a forward. Yeah. Okay, so that that's not um. So it won't be Butler. I I think that there's a good chance to get squeezed either just because of Trey's name recognition. Oh, this is interesting. Sorry, Jalen Brown is on the ballot as a guard. Okay, so Randall is a definite then. Um, Randall is a definite, but that hurts Jalen Brown. That so Brunson, it's going to be tough. Um, I would say of the guys you mentioned, Kyrie um, Mitchell are locks. Um, Mm -hmm. I do not Harden. Um, he probably will be a lock. I don't think he should be, but I I wouldn't have a problem with that. Um, I Halliburton. I am less high on Halliburton than other people, but he's averaging ten assists on a team that's outperforming expectations. He'll get in. Um, okay. and then I think it's it's between Drew, and then I think Brown is a lock. So that's I mean yeah, if you want to talk about the Bucks getting two players in, then the Celtics definitely deserve both those guys in, right? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that leaves one spot between Holiday, Trey, and Brunson. Odds aren't great. So I, I mean, I would put it at like as an even third between those three. Um, yeah. If I had to guess, I'd actually still guess that Trey Young gets it. Um, I know. But, um, I don't like it. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's got the best volume stats, and um, I don't think um, Holiday hasn't made the All Star team since 2013. Um, wow. I think he is probably a little bit underrated, but um, but yeah, like I think that's which sucks. I think Brunson is playing as well as he could as an all star, but hey, an extra week of rest, mm-hmm. I'm not gonna complain about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I I think like unless people really unless the coaches actively try to screw Randall and like put like Kuzma in over some or something, like he's not missing <laughs> the all star game. I would not think so. Uh. Last thing I want to ask you, and I, I know that you're engaged, and I want you to know that this is not me hitting on you, but what is your astrological sign? A Virgo. Virgo, okay. So I was looking earlier at the uh, <clears throat> at the Knicks roster, and I was looking at birth dates because I'm a Scorpio, and I wanted to find out which Knicks, if any, fall into my birth my birth range. And What's your birthday? one Nick. Right, November. My I'm a Scorpio. Scorpio, so you're, yeah. Oh. No, I was gonna, I was gonna ask your birthday, but then you know, if you want to give that info in public, that's cool too. But my sister's a Scorpio, that's why I asked. So. Well, there is only one Scorpio that I see on the Knicks, and that is Evan Fournier. So mm. astrologically, that wasn't the exciting thing I was hoping to discover, but apparently, Evan Fournier is the closest Nick to me astrologically. For you as a Virgo. There's a couple. You have Jalen Brunson, um, Miles Mariota, I mean Deuce McBride, um, Cam Reddish, my God, Trevor Keels, and if it does anything for you, Daquan Jeffries. There's a lot of Virgos on the Knicks. Wow. There's a pretty easy explanation for that. <laughs> what is that? In the, in, the dead of, in the dead of winter, in the cold times of winter, 
there isn't a whole lot else to do. And that is coincidentally nine months before Virgo season. So that's true. Although I would expect uh, more. Scor- this is what I always I always make fun of my sister for this. Like Scorpio is November, which is about nine months after Valentine's Day. So I was like, yeah, you're definitely a Valentine's is. baby, my sister. So and I guess you are too, mm-hmm. man. So <laughs> I actually I, I eventually learned my my parents' theoretical origin story from my conception, and I don't. I don't. I didn't need to know it, but I'm okay with it. Um, but it, it it did involve yes, like a a winter storm and some family that had stayed over longer than they were welcome. <clears throat> and as soon as that family departed, there was a celebration in honor of that departure. And then nine months later, there was the arrival of me. So, for all of you out there, um, whatever your sign is, with a basketball you reference. Were- you were the reward for uh, for your parents' patience and uh, good manners. I am the expression of a lot of stress, apparently, um, <laughs> which I can I can definitely see, and which I carry with me with honor. Um, but yeah, those are the Knicks. Those are your horoscopes. Um, Stacey gets Jalen Brunson. I get Evan Fournier. Such is life. Um, I'm going to leave it on this note because my throat is starting to tell me it's time to leave it on this note. But um, the Knicks' next game is Monday when they play against the Bucks, which is another big test for them. Um, the Bucks have been kind of back and forth with some of their injuries this year, but I'm sure Giannis will be there. <coughs> and it's a home game, um, which has become an interesting challenge for the Knicks in and of itself. But um, in addition to... Sorry, I just want to double-check who else they're playing next week. After Milwaukee, they are also... Um, hosting Indiana on Wednesday. And then Friday, they will be visiting Gustavs Porzingis and the Washington Wizards, who have been playing... I mean, they're the Wizards, but they've, they've hung in a little bit. Um, that could be an interesting game. And hopefully, you know, Randall will dunk all over Kyle Kuzma and end that nonsense before it goes any further. So, Stacey, uh, I thank you as always for being with us and providing your insights. Um... That's all I have for now. Anything you wanna you wanna say or sign off with? Nope. Nope. Stacey's done. I'm done. We're all done. Thank you everyone for listening. Um it's good to be back on track with the Believe Nick's Pod. We are presented by Bet Online. Um Yeah, we'll see you guys next week. Everybody take care. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.